Good morning. How y'all doing? I just told Josh, I got to follow that. Man, I tell you, I could just like, just go home now. I mean, wasn't that awesome? It's so great just being in God's presence, and uh, He is so worthy. If we're going to clap, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm with you. God is so good. He is so awesome. We could just go home now, but don't count on it. <laughs> um, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at One Church, and uh, I want to say thank you so much for coming. Uh, the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about Summer Loving, about a marriage series, and we've talked over the past couple of weeks about um, these two boxes that we have here. Um, we talked that um, every man, woman, when they come to their altar, they have bouquets, they have rings, they look beautiful, um, but they both come uh, to the preacher with a big box of desires, of dreams, and of wishes, of things that they hope for and want to see, uh, that they're going to have enough money to be able to uh, be able to afford a really nice car, be able to be able to be in a really nice house. Uh, they have an idea and dream about who's going to fill what role and what, how many times they're going to eat out and who is actually going to bring home the money and uh, bring home the bacon, whatever that means, and all of this stuff. And we talked that there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff, these desires, um, that we have these desires, these hopes, these dreams, and that's a good thing. The problem is when we take our desires, hopes, and dreams and we dump it in to the expectations box, that when we start communicating, hey, you know, this is what we talked about, this is what we hope, this is what we dream, now this is what I expect from you. This is what you, and this is what we talked about, this is what you owe me, because this is the way my mom did it, this is the way my dad did it, this is what we talked about before we got married, this is what I can expect from a husband or a wife, can I? And something happens when they leave, they bring the, to the altar the big box of desires, and they leave the chapel with a big box of expectations. And when that happens, the relationship changes. It changes. And when desires become expectations, it pushes out all of the good romantic intimacy, the great gushy stuff in marriage, that the reason that's the reason you got married in the first place. Um, and uh, we talked about what does your spouse owe you? Anybody remember the answer to that? Nothing. That's exactly right. We looked last week at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, and we looked at how we, um, they don't owe you anything. That the, the reason why we are able to have this debt-free relationship with our spouse is because we have a debt-free relationship with our Heavenly Father because we owed a lot of stuff our sin created a debt we just could not get rid of. But Jesus says, I come so that you may have life and have it to the full. And he canceled the debt. And Jesus is saying, okay, if you and I have this debt-free relationship, I want you to take that debt-free relationship that you and I have, and I want you to move that to your spouse and declare that he owes you nothing, that she owes you nothing. And last week, I don't know if I communicated this clearly enough, but last week I talked about how you, if you're, if, you, are you, if you're married, if you have a spouse, that you are the biggest conduit and reflection of God's love for them, that God's love is supposed to pour all over you to them, and you're to be literally 
a a manifestation of God in that relationship and you're just a poured all on them. And we talked about what that looked like. But last week we ended and we said this, what about this box though? If you've taken everything out of the expectations box, we placed it back in the desires box and you've got a big old box of this and nothing's coming true. Just trying to get your spouse to say, okay, what's your dream? What's your wish? What's your desire, baby? And he's not doing that. She's not doing that. What do you do with unfulfilled and unmet desires? When you have the big me's in marriage, and we talked about this, two big me's, they're trying to battle out, this is what I want, this is what I want. When you, when you get rid of the big me's and the little me's, and we take everything out of the expectations into desires, what do you do with this box? And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, the passage we're looking at, 1 Peter is where we're going to be looking at. 1 Peter chapter 5 answers the question, what do you do with this box? 1 Peter is a, kind of a hard book to find. It's in the end, close to the end of the Bible. It's in the New Testament. It was written by anyone who is Peter. Thank you, Alex Trebek. All right, Written by Peter. All right, And since there's a 1 Peter, what does that mean? It's going to be a what? Hey, y'all are really good. All right, so we're going to be looking at 1 Peter. If you've gone to Revelation, you went too far. Um, If you've hit James, you've not went far enough. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 is where we're going to be beginning. All right, and this is what it says. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, we're getting kind of smack dab in the middle of a conversation. So let's dive right in. It says, young men... In the same way, be, what is that word? We talked about that a lot last week, didn't we? That was a rough sermon, all right? Um, In the same way, be submissive to those who are older, all right? This is where we're really going to get into it. All. What does all mean? That's right, all. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Clothe yourselves with humility toward towards one another. Let me tell you what humility is, and let me tell you what it's not, all right? What is humility? Humility is not, being humble is not, you know, saying, you know what, because you outrank me, because uh, you're over me, because you have more money than me, because you have a bigger status than I do, um, I'm going to submit to you. That's not what humility is. Um, You just got to do that, especially in the Army. If you're a private and you're talking to a colonel, what should you do? A bow. <laughs> All righty then. I can tell there's some animosity here. All right. Anyway, so, um, I mean, you got to respect, right? If a policeman pulls you over because you were going too fast, you better respect it. Why not? It's called Rodney King, All right. You are that cop is going to be all over you like white on rice, all right? You got I mean, I'll, I can tell you some stories of personal stuff in my life, but I'm not. I'm refraining. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, you've got to respect. You've got to respect. Um, and I hope you know the whole run. I, I wasn't, that wasn't a racist comment. I hope you know that. I want to, I want to throw that out there because I thought, man, I probably should have said that. Um, but you've got to respect you got to respect. You gotta, what is biblical humility? What is biblical humility? 
Biblical humility is really this. It's a decision to put another person's interests, wishes, and desires before your own. That's really what biblical humility is. It's to put somebody else's wishes, dreams, and desires before your own wishes, dreams, and desires. That's what that means, to have biblical humility. Biblical humility. So um, that's what he's talking about. I want you to clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. And that leads us to our big idea. Our big idea is this. Humility is the decision to put another person's interest ahead of your own. To put another person's interest ahead of your own. It's saying, you know what, I'm going to put your deal before my deal. I'm going to put your desires before my desires. It doesn't matter if you outrank me or not. It doesn't matter if you have more money than me or not. It doesn't matter if you have a different skin color to me or not. It doesn't matter because I'm going to put you before me. And that's what it means to be humble. Jesus was a great picture of this. Um, look at what it continues to say in 1 Peter chapter 5, um, verse 5. Uh, Clothe yourselves to, to humility towards one another because, now here's the reason, here's the reason God opposes or resists the proud. Everybody say opposes. Okay? If somebody is opposing you, what is that? They're against you. That's exactly right. They, they oppose. They resist. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This verse may describe some of your marriages. That you, because there's been two big me's in the marriage for so long, I'm going to do my deal if you do your deal. And it's no longer a covenant because it's not unconditional. It's conditional. It's a contract. I'm going to do this if you do this, and if you do this, I'm going to do this. But if you don't do this, I'm not going to do this because i got to get mine. All right? If that is your relationship, two big me's, and you're praying and you're saying, God, listen, God, i I got to, I got to get this thing. You know, I, I, I just, I'm trying to, and, 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 and you're like, where is God? You're talking and you're praying, and he's just nowhere to be found. Let me tell you where he's at. He's over here. God, where are you? God's going, I'm over here. I'm resisting the proud. I'm opposing the proud. And if, you, if you've been doing your relationship where I'm going to get my desires fulfilled first in marriage, you know this, that God is against you. That's the reason why some of your marriage, it's like this. Because you're, be, you're butting heads, you're banging up. And if you butt heads because of proud, you're going to butt heads with your spouse. You know who else you're going to butt heads with? God, because God opposes the proud. It's that simple. So if you, you continue to keep this stuff in the expectations box, you continue, as we talked about last week, to keep leashed up and trying to control and manipulate, but God's saying, I oppose you. I resist you. But, I like this. Look, look what it says. God opposes the proud, but, that's awesome, but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. What is grace? In this context, let me tell you what grace is, and it's simply this. Grace is God giving you the a power and the ability to do what you need to do in the moment for the moment. Grace is God giving you the power and the ability to do what you need to do in the moment for the moment. So while your desires 
why your wishes and dreams? You know what? I'm, I'm not going to place that in the expectations, God. I just humble myself. God's saying, let me tell you what you're doing. This stuff may not be happening for you right now, but I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you the power and the ability to do what you need to do in the moment for the moment. Look at verse, what verse 6 says. Therefore, anytime you see a therefore, you've got to know what it's there for. All right? he's, he's, he's summing it all up. He says, therefore. Therefore, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. Okay? I said, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, be humble. Kind of a no-brainer. All right? Thanks, God. All right? But look at what it says. It says, not only, not only just humble, but humble yourselves under what? God's mighty hand. What he's saying is this. You leave the results in God's hands. You leave the results in God's hands. God has mighty hands. Anybody want to agree with that? He has mighty hands. And if you leave the results in his hands, results are going to happen. But let me tell you, this is if you do this, you know what? I'm going to change him. I'm going to make him do this. I'm going to make him and I'm going to have this desire and I'm going to just I'm going to just put it in this expectation box and I'm going to press it on him. And I'm going to make him change. And God's going, how's that working for you? Not really well, but I'm making it. Oh, really? Uh huh. All right. You see, you're trying to do it the proud way, and when you do it the proud way, what does God do? <laughs> Buddy, you're on your own. You're on your own. You think you got everything? You can just keep on doing it. You can manipulate. You can control the situation. You're on your own. But you humble yourself and you put the results in my mighty hand then you can sit back and relax because I have things in control. I have things under control. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. He's wanting you to stop trying to fix your mate and trying to fix your marriage and trying to manipulate your mate and change your mate because you can't do it. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. You leave the results up to Him and you say, God, I just I need you. I declare my dependence on you. I need you in my marriage. And if you don't show up in my marriage, I don't know what's going to happen. Divorce ain't an option. I'll kill him. All right? My wife and I, I kid you not, this is not in the notes. And when I stray from my notes, it's a little scary. All right? But I, Kim and I said, you know what? We're, not, we're never getting divorced. We're never even uttering it. But if it gets too rough, we're getting out some rat poison. All right? <laughs> Because she says I keep, and I, I believed her. Oh man, I tell you what, marriage, good. We're celebrating 15 years this year, so uh, we're very thankful for that. I can say that because she's not in here; she's working babies. All right, um, that's what it says. Um, verse six. Therefore, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, and look at this next part. This is a promise. Somebody say the word promise. This is a promise. You can count on it. Humble yourselves under God's body hand so that he may lift you up in due time. Everybody say the words due time. I hate that part. I've got to be honest with you. God says, you do it my way, I'm going to lift you up in due time. Now let me tell you, God's due time and my due time 
are two totally different things. Because I'm like, okay, God, I listened to the sermon on Sunday. For me, I preached the sermon on Sunday. I applied it. And Wednesday, you know, stuff should be happening. You should be shaking some things up. Because I expected my way right away. But God ain't Burger King. All right? God is God. And He's eternal. And He knows the best time for everything. And His best time is not my best time. He says, you know what? In due time, you humble yourself, you leave the results to me, then, in due time, stuff's going to happen. Now, what does that mean, due time? I don't know. I don't know what your due time is. Your due time may be 10 years, it may be two months, it may be three days. I don't know. And what does lift you up mean? I don't know. I don't know your circumstance. God does. But I'm telling you this. You do it God's way, and you leave the results up to Him, and He will get you results. I've known a lot of couples that have lived in, the, in the, that rough time of the due time, and they were there a long time, and in the meantime, God gave them the grace that they needed, the ability to do what they need to do in the moment for the moment. Man, I love that. In due time, God will intervene on your behalf. And He'll either change you or He'll change your spouse in the due time. As I was uh, preaching this, uh, um, I, I was thinking about a couple. And um, uh, Mike and Marie Nelson came to my mind. And uh, as I was writing this down, I said, man, I really would love to be able to, uh, for you to be able to hear their story. So uh, I called Mike, I called Marie, and I said, I, I would love you guys, if you wouldn't mind, to just let me interview you in front of uh, 300 people. And um, <laughs> uh, Mike and Marie both said yes. And uh, I'm going to invite Mike and Marie uh, here, and um, we're just going to have a conversation around our table and so that you can hear, um, hear what God has done in their life that really illustrates um, very well what do you do during the due time. What do you do during that time of waiting? So, by the way, this is Marie and this is Mike. <laughs> Let's get them mixed up. So anyway, kill, kill, kill. <clears throat> All right, Mike, Marie, how y'all doing? Good, 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 cool. Good, good. Come on, Nick. Oh, it's Chip. Chip. All right, keep on talking. Hello. Oh, hello. Yes, Lord. Yes. Anyway, go, go. Um, Mike Marie, I'm glad having you up here again. Um, and uh, if you would just explain to them, because we've talked about this before, um, where your where your relationship with God was at, Marie, and then when y'all got married, where his relationship and all that stuff. Just explain that to us, if you would. So from the beginning. Well, not from where you know, thirty eight years ago or whatever. <laughs> so when you, uh, yeah, when y'all when y'all right before y'all hooked up. Well, first, when I was in middle school, that's when I became a Christian. And then I fell away really quick, like by high school. And then I joined the Air Force right away, and that's where I met Mike. And um, that's where the spiritual thing came, because my big um, thing was, you know, I need to find someone that, you know, knows the Lord. But um, I wasn't really too in-depth on that, so I asked Mike before we got married um, if he knew God. And he says, well, I believe that there is a God. And I thought, well, I can work with that. Um, but that wasn't a good plan. Um, uh, so, you know, life was a little bit rough because Mike didn't believe really anything. And um, right before our oldest daughter, Jordis, was born, 
I started really listening to God, and I had heard him before, but I didn't want to listen. And so I really began to start listening, and so I uh, started going to church more and reading the Bible more. And my prayer life, I've always, I'd always prayed, but, um, you know, if you're not applying other things, you know, change happens really slow. Um, but over the next few years, the girls and I, um, we were really, we got active in church, you know, vacation Bible school and Sunday school, um, children's choir, not me, but them. And um, I would use any opportunity I could to try to manipulate the situation so that he would get into church. And so, you know, the kids are singing today, or it's Christmas, and um, the bottom line is, though, he knew that I was trying to manipulate, and that really didn't go very well. Um, uh, before we came to Fort Campbell, we were stationed in Hawaii, and people are thinking, ah, paradise, you know, but I was thinking, hell. And um, just because... Can we say that in yeah. church? But that's because, not because <laughs> it's not a beautiful place, but because um, our marriage was dying, it was pretty much dead, and uh, we were talking of divorce. And, um, but we, we made it to Fort Campbell, and um, I didn't know it yet, but the very first miracle in, the, in this whole line was we got um, housing right away, I mean immediately. And um, immediately some neighbors invited us to church. And um, Mike was TDY already, and so I, the girls and I went to church, and um, I, I remember that day, and I said this before, I mean specifically, clearly, because it happened eight years ago almost to the day, today. And um, God boldly said to me, he says, Marie, um, he says, you are a major problem in this marriage. And he said that you need to stop trying to control and manipulate Mike because all you're controlling and manipulating isn't going to have him come to relationship with me. I can't save, you know, me, Marie, I cannot save Mike. And he says, you have to work on your relationship with me. And um, I was a little bit mad because I thought I was doing things right, you know. I mean, trying to get him to come to church, but that was controlling me. That was wrong. And um, so I um, I prayed. I prayed hard like I'd never prayed before. Why are you laughing? <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, yeah. and um, so I did. I prayed like crazy that um, God would change me. And, um, and I asked him to let me stop controlling him and stop manipulating him. I had to just literally, you know, put Mike there in front of Christ because it, Christ had to take him. I couldn't. And um, so you left the results in God's hands, and you were like, if 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 he doesn't come to know Jesus, if he does, that's that's him. Right. And you know, saying that was really easy, but keeping him there wow. was really hard. And so every day, I mean, I would just have to keep reminding myself, and then it, you know, it got easier and easier, and it, there was like this freedom and. With that freedom, I began to change, and I began to grow. And then with me changing, our marriage started changing. Yeah. And then one day, Mike's like, you know, I think I want to go to church with you guys. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what did you do when you said that? I was just like. I pretended like to him that it was not, not, like not a big deal. Like, oh, it's great. You want to come? You know, I mean, we're going. If you really want to come with <laughs> us, you know. But inside, I was, I was like crazy. It was like awesome. Well. And we get there, and I'd forgotten that we had a guest speaker that day. And I thought, oh, no. I was disappointed because I thought there's no way he's going to ever want to come back if we're having a guest speaker, you know. But God was really cool because he said, it's not the messenger, it's the message. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was really awesome because then um, six six months from when I said, or God told me that I needed to start working on me, mm-hmm. Mike accepted Christ as his wow. personal Savior. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, come on, let's clap, give it up. So let's talk of this, Marie, because we're talking about in that due time, in that waiting period. When you got married, and you were Christian, he was not, until he came 
to have that relationship with Jesus. How long was it? 16 years. 16 years. Long time. That's a long time. Absolutely. So during that time, you tried changing, you tried, and it just, what, it, it, let me ask you this, Mike. When, when she was trying to do that and change and drag you in, how, how did you respond to that? I just got angry. Okay. I, uh, I knew she was trying to manipulate me, and uh, you know, nobody likes that. Nobody likes trying to, somebody else trying to control them. And so I can fight her, and I can win. You know? mm-hmm. I'm bigger than her. She is. Mm-hmm. Just got to keep your eye on her. Don't, <laughs> let her. don't let her sneak up behind you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I can win that fight any day, and, and that's kind of where we were coming from. It was just a battle all the time. But when she started changing, then I didn't have to fight her, and my guard can go down, and and then uh, God can get in there, and, and he can change me. Yeah. And uh, she wants, what she really wanted was lifetime change, which she was trying to get it done on her own, but she can't do that. God's the only one who can do and that. And her intentions were good. I mean, we need to sure. say this. I mean, she had total great intentions for you. And uh, But we all, and we didn't talk about this last uh, service, but, you know, they say the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Even though her intentions were good, just as a guy, when somebody tries to tell us things, we, we t- yeah, arch your back. Right? And, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm not thinking it's you, but it's a different story when God gets a hold of you. And uh, I, I, I went back to church after that guest speaker thing. <laughs> And because uh, God had already had a hold of me, and, and uh, He was trying to show me some things, and I did still resist. But it's a different story when you resist God versus, mm-hmm. you know, your spouse. And, uh, you can't win that fight. With That's God. right. That's you right. Just can't. And uh, um, I, I uh, heard the gospel message preached to me. Uh, I knew that Jesus loved me just like I was. I knew that He chose to die for my sins to pay the price that I owed, so that I could have a relationship with God. Yeah. And uh, I still fought it, though. For some reason, I felt like I was, because I had done too many bad things, that I still would not be accepted in the end. And for about three months, I wrestled with that until I finally gave in and said, you know, I'm going to trust you. And uh, and that was Christmas Eve, the year 2000. Wow. So going on eight years now. Yeah. Wow. uh, And and it was God that changed our marriage, which was at its end, we thought. Mm -hmm. But uh, here we are at 23 years now. Wow, God is so awesome. That is so awesome. What's so neat about this, that some of you may not know, is Marie was praying and praying and praying that God would capture Mike's heart and for him to begin that relationship with Jesus. Well, Mike's one of our pastors on staff here at One Church. So um, be careful what you pray for with your spouse because the pace stinks. So anyway, (laughs) anyway. Um, I want to thank y'all so much. Y'all's, y'all's story, as I was working through this, I really I thought about both of you, but especially you, Marie, because so many times we have this instant thing with God that you know we pray and we should expect an answer immediately. And you prayed for a long time and waited for 16 years. And in that due time period, to just to see God not only change him and not only change you, but also literally transform your relationship. And what you thought was at an end was that really at the beginning that's so cool let's uh let's give it up for them thank you so much guys um so what do you do as we talked about as we close what do you do with this stuff in this box the box of desires you can choose to dump the expectations on your mate you can choose to get back into that i owe you you owe me uh the contract instead of the covenant But really what God is telling you to do is simply this.
In fact, look as we end it. Look at the last verse. And the answer, it answers, this verse answers, what do you do with that stuff that hasn't come true yet in your desires? This is what it says, verse 7. It, some of your, it just says give. Some of your translations say cast, cast your cares, give all your worries. What does it mean to give, cast, throw? Take the box and back it up to God and just dump it out. Cast all your cares Give all your worries and cares to God. That's what we're to do. We're not to pretend that this stuff doesn't, it's not in there. We're not to, us just to get busy and say, you know what, I'm just going to get busy. This is too hurtful even thinking about this. I'm just going to be busy and I'm going to do my own thing. God's saying no. This stuff in here is good. It's valid, many of it. But what I want you to do is I don't want you to give it to your spouse. I want you to bring it to me bring it to me whatever it is and I'm going to care for you about it that's what it says for he cares about you so some of you you may think well some of my desires are kind of silly you know I live when I was growing up I lived in a big house and uh, I always wanted to live in a big house when I got married and I'm not living in a big house um, so God can I bring that stuff to you and God's saying is it a care of yours didn't bring it to me. This is guilt-free, God says. Some of you, it may be a little bit more weighty. You talked about children, and you and, and you said, you know what, we're going to wait a couple of years, and it's been 12 years, and you're still trying to have kids, and you don't have any insight, and you went through all kinds of medical tests and, and drugs and some of this other stuff trying to make it happen, and it just your dream of having children just hasn't happened yet, and it's too painful. You know what God says? Bring it to me. That's a desire of yours. That's a wish. That's a dream. It's not come true yet. Is it causing you anxiety? Is it causing you to worry? Bring it to me. And here's the greatest promise of all, because He cares for you. If you hear nothing else, this is your first time here, maybe you've been bumped out of church 20 years ago, know this, that God cares for you. No matter what type of background you have, no matter what um, previous religion you were, no matter um, what your past, no matter um, uh, what, um, it doesn't matter. God cares for everyone. He cares for you. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much that, Lord, that you care for us. Lord, in fact, I, got, I don't know why I got this song going through my head right now, but Lord, red, yellow, black, and white, we are all precious in your sight. You care for all of us, God. I thank you so much that we don't have to look a certain way or have a certain amount of money or to have a, a, a certain, some of our stuff together. Lord, that you care for us all. We thank you so much, God, that we can bring all of our cares, some of them that we think, oh, that's kind of silly, isn't it? And some of them that are just suffocating us because they're just waiting on us. And we have nowhere else to go with this. We can bring them to you. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. It's in your name that we pray.